Are you looking for a way to save a little money? What about getting your subscriptions under control? If so, then I've got just the solution for you. Rocket Money. With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find a subscription that I completely forgot to cancel before the free trial was up. I'm sure you've all been there. And Rocket Money can help me cancel it. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each and every month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With them, I can see clearly what my monthly spending is and how it compares to the month before, making saving money and taking control over my finances so much easier. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. An alibi can be the difference between freedom and a lifetime behind bars. On November 10th, 2018, a woman was found injured on her farm in a case that saw plenty of motive, but an alibi that seemed to make a very guilty man look innocent. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On November 10th, 2018, a young, beautiful, and loving woman was found horrifically injured on her family farm in Earlville, Iowa. According to her husband Todd's 911 call, 39-year-old Amy Mullis had fallen onto a corn rake and was now unresponsive. The rake, which is a sharp, four-pronged, heavy-duty tool used to scoop corn, had impaled his wife in some sort of accident, and he was worried that she wasn't going to make it. Amy was rushed to the nearest hospital, the one where she once worked as an emergency room nurse, where, having suffered from massive bleeding, She was tragically pronounced dead. When the police arrived to speak with the family, a grieving Todd told them that, just before he found Amy, she'd been working in one of their hog buildings with him and their 13-year-old son, Tristan. 
They were preparing for one of the animals to give birth, and while Tristan and Todd set up the equipment like heaters and a water supply, Amy decided to clean the lights. Not long after, Amy told him that she was getting dizzy and lightheaded. Having just undergone an outpatient medical procedure four days earlier, Todd was worried about his wife and said that she should go inside and rest. But according to Tristan's statements, his mother said that she wanted to keep working. Finally giving in, Amy decided to make her way back to their home. But before doing so, Todd asked if she could stop by the nearby red shed and take out one of their pet carriers. Todd was planning on using some of the heavy-duty machinery later, and he needed it to round up the new litter of kittens so he wouldn't run any of them over. She agreed, and Tristan said that, for the next hour and a half, he and his dad finished up their work with the hogs. Done, they went to the front office of the barn when Todd, looking out the window, said he didn't see where Amy stashed the pet carrier. Sending Tristan to go get it, the young boy ran into the shed and found his mother lying face down on the ground with the corn rake sticking out of her back. Screaming for his father, Todd ran over and, describing himself to police as a doer who wanted to help, took the rake out of his wife's body so she could fit through the narrow opening of the shed. While his story seemed tragic yet plausible, the doctor who oversaw Amy's short time in the emergency room immediately took issue with his claims. His reasoning? On Amy's body, he found six puncture wounds. The rake that killed her only had four tines. Needing to know more, some of the Delaware County Sheriff's deputies made their way to the Mullis farm, while others began interviewing Amy's friends and family. It wasn't long before they heard whispers of an affair between Amy and someone who worked on the farm, and learned that she was making plans to finally leave her husband. With these stories immediately placing Todd Mullis on the top of their suspect list, they became all but certain that he was responsible when they found out that, if the divorce proceeded, the million-dollar farm might just be lost to him. With a pretty substantial motive, in February of 2019, Todd Mullis was arrested and charged with his wife's murder. The only problem was, Todd seemed to have a pretty decent alibi, one given to him by his 13-year-old son. According to Todd, he knew nothing about his wife's affair. And according to Tristan, he was with his dad the entire time that day and maintained that there was no way he could have slipped away to commit the murder. With both stating their belief that Amy simply fell onto the corn rake, investigators weren't so convinced, especially since they found internet searches on Todd's phone and iPad for things like organs in the body, searched just four days before the murder, and in the months before, things like killing unfaithful women, what happens to cheaters in history, what happened to cheating spouses in historic Aztec times, and thrill of the kill. In September of 2019, almost a year after Amy's passing, family, friends, and community members sat in a packed county courthouse and listened as prosecutor Maureen Hughes painted a vivid picture of Tom's alleged crimes. They then brought Dr. Craig Thompson to the stand, who is both the medical examiner and a man who was there the day that Amy was brought into the hospital. And he told juries how, hearing about the freak accident, he went to look at the body to make sure the injuries matched the wild story. He was the one that noticed the six puncture wounds and raised the initial alarm. They then brought forth a forensic pathologist for the state medical examiner's office, 
Dr. Kelly Cruss, who detailed some of Amy's other injuries, like the small abrasion found on the middle of her upper lip and the blunt force injuries to her face, hands, and knees that might just be evidence of a struggle. Not to mention the fact that the six puncture wounds seem to go in two different directions, meaning, in their professional opinion, that she was impaled with the rake at least two times, but possibly even three. Despite this theory, responding officers claim that they only saw a few drops of blood at the scene. Not really the evidence you would expect to see from a brutal attack with a rake. Because the Delaware County Sheriff's Office rarely investigated homicides, with Amy's only being the fourth in the past 10 years, they called and asked for the help of Iowa's Division of Criminal Investigations. Together, they began digging into Amy's life and found that she cheated on Todd five years earlier, but the couple, for one reason or another, decided to stay together and work everything out. Amy quit her job at the hospital, devoted all of her time to the farm and her family, and the pair went to counseling together. Though it seemed like a triumph, Amy later told friends that she had no choice in the matter. According to Terry Stanner, who took the stand during the trial, Amy felt like a prisoner in her own marriage. She quit her job, not to spend more time with her family, like Todd said, but as a, quote, deal with her husband, who, after the initial affair, seemed to regulate what she could and could not do. Terry even said that Amy had a, quote, approved friend list and that she was often timed from the moment she walked out of the door until she came back to make sure that she was doing exactly what she told her husband she was doing. Though Amy's friends knew about the hardships, Todd was telling officers, like Special Agent John Turbot, how tight their marriage was, how well they communicated, and how far they had come since their fallout five years earlier. With two wildly different depictions of their marriage, investigators learned that, in July of 2018, Todd started to notice a change in his wife, checked their phone records, and learned that she'd been communicating with a man named Jerry Frasher, the field manager for the Mullis farm. Though he didn't see the 120 texts between the pair, Todd saw enough for him to get suspicious. He allegedly confronted Jerry, and when he said that all the calls were about business and nothing was going on, Todd stepped over the line and contacted Jerry's wife. She told him that her marriage was a solid one, and that she in no way thought her husband was having an affair. The real truth wouldn't be revealed until after Amy's death, when the affair and the possibility of divorce became what investigators believed was Todd's motive for the murder. In fact, the motive was clear even before Amy's death. According to Terry Stanner, Amy called her one day and said, Ter, if I ever come up missing, have them look into our new timber. Terry said that she knew Todd would kill her one day and was terrified for her friend. However, the problem still remained. Todd had that airtight alibi. Everyone waited with bated breath for Tristan to take the stand. Now 14 years old, Tristan Mullis told the same story he told to police about the events leading up to and after finding his mother lying in that shed. He said that he screamed out for his dad and when Todd arrived and saw Amy, he told Tristan to go get the family truck so they could drive her to the hospital. He said that, while they rushed there, Todd called 911 and frantically told dispatchers about his wife's accident. The dispatcher then asked if he could pull over, and doing so, they waited for responding officers. First to arrive at the scene was Deputy Luke Thompson, who pulled up and immediately saw Tristan, covered in blood, 
flagging him down. Rushing to try and help Amy, he said that she was no longer breathing, had no pulse, and was completely unresponsive. He then took her onto the ground and started doing chest compressions. While doing so, he asked Todd what exactly happened. He said he wasn't sure, but remembered that Amy had been complaining about feeling dizzy earlier. Saying she must have fallen onto the rake while trying to get the pet carrier, the officer turned his attention to Tristan, who said that he was with his dad the entire time. And that's exactly how the story stayed until just a few days before trial, when Tristan was re-interviewed and admitted that he didn't actually have eyes on his dad for the entire day. He said that he lost sight of Todd a few times when he went to go get water from the front office of the barn, but said that he was only gone for less than a minute each time. This slight revision gave the prosecutors exactly what they wanted, and they argued that Todd, indeed, had the opportunity to kill his wife. But there was still some room for doubt. Tristan said he never saw any blood on Todd, and at no point during their time working together did he see his father's demeanor change. And was just a few minutes here and there really enough time for Todd to run to the shed, stab his wife, and run back as if nothing happened? Tristan still, even with his revised statement, insisted that his dad was innocent. So, if it wasn't Todd, who killed Amy? Those who believed his story pointed a finger instead at Jerry Frasher, the man Amy was having an affair with, who had a wife and kids of his own, that, if the news of the affair leaked, could possibly be taken away from him. He was interviewed, of course, by the police, and though he readily admitted to the affair, he said he could not have killed Amy because, like Todd, he had an alibi. He was home in Anamosa a good 45 minutes away with his own son. With two children each alibying their fathers, what would the jury think? On September 23rd, 2019, on the sixth day of trial, a jury found Todd Mullis guilty of murder, and a little less than a year later, the 44-year-old was sentenced to life in prison without the chance for parole. Todd, maintaining his innocence, filed a motion for a new trial based on ineffective assistance and prosecutorial misconduct. The motion was denied, but undeterred, the legal team filed a notice of appeal in 2020 in hopes of overturning the conviction. The fight continues, and no new updates have come forth as of this moment. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on November 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.